Mother's Day is a great day where we can celebrate moms, and we're going to talk about it from many different perspectives over about the next 20 minutes or so. And uh, then we have some treats and different things in the foyer, opportunity for you to take photo with your kids. Uh, my kids say, oh, mom, but they, they're trained now because they kind of coordinated how to dress this morning so that their mom can get the picture that she really wants. Uh, Ephesians 6 and 2 and 3 says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. My mom took that very literally. You obey me so that you will live long and you will enjoy life. Like, you can read that two ways. Like, but she read it with a certain way with that. But anyway, Proverbs 31 and 28 says, this is speaking about a woman, says that her sons and daughters arise in one accord to extol her virtues, and her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms. For some of you around your dinner table this afternoon, you could do that right there, and your wife may pass out. I don't know. But this is a good thing to do. It's actually what the Bible says. Arise, stand up. You don't have to literally stand up. Up, but stand up speaks of honor. Stand up speaks of, no, I'm not just going to say, hey, mom, I think you're pretty cool, and could you bring me some more popcorn so I can watch the game? No, extol her virtues. Tell her specifically why you think she's amazing. Uh, the first thing is you could say, mom, everybody else has birthed little, uh, sons and daughters, but you birthed a legend. Like, I thank you for that. 2 Timothy 1 and 5 says, this is Paul speaking of Timothy, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. So as the Bible says, today we honor you moms, we honor motherhood, we honor you, we honor you. Before we go any further, what's the result of what we think, what we're actually going to buy for our mom? Okay, compared the meal out wins at the top. So what, that's a good choice. But And then, then uh, I am in really rough shape here right now. Flowers, help me out. This is color deficient. I am not dumb. I just can't see properly. Don't look at me like that. Come on. I'm disabled. I, meal out. Okay. So most of us are not going to do very well. But the, the meal out is the winner again. But this is what most people are actually buying for their mom. Number one choice in America is what? Greeting card. You're getting a card. Mom, you're getting a card. My, my wife gets it. She's looking in the back to find out where, what's really in there. The greeting card. The next thing that uh, people buy for their mom is flowers. Then comes bringing up number three is meal out, then a gift card, and housewares. I only did that once. Never do it again. Housewares were not a popular choice in our home. Just saying. Some of you might love that. Uh, just find out what your spouse or your mom likes and do that. So we put that all to the side. And someone says that moms teach us many, many things. Someone said, my mom taught me religion when she said, you better pray that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> she also taught me logic when she said, because I said so, that's why. Not that any mom has ever said that before. She taught me irony when she said, keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about, Craig. <laughs> also taught us justice when she said, one day you'll have kids and I hope and pray that they'll be just like you. <laughs> it's true. All kinds of stuff. But all that to the side, 
Every Mother's Day, I always start with this, this thing, and I've been doing this for a number of years now. I start with an explanation because Mother's Day is like a landmine for a preacher. There's all kinds of areas where you could blow up and really mess it up because of some very clear and important reasons. It can be the best of days for some people and also the most challenging of days for others. As one of my friends wrote uh, this just yesterday on their social media, that we, ha- we do have the capacity for both celebration and empathy. So when we celebrate, we can also remember that not everybody's in a place of celebration right now. And we can do both of those because that's the way God made it to do us to do. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing. We mourn with those who are mourning. Because there are, to those who gave birth this year to your first child, we celebrate with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones where every day you wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who have experienced loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or someone running out of your life, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make it harder than it is. To those of you that are foster moms, mentor moms, spiritual moms, you may have no biological children of your own, but you've made a determination to really reach out and mentor people that are younger than you and help them to rise up higher. We need you. To those of you that have warm and close relationship with your children or with your, and with your mom, we celebrate with you. But to those who have disappointment and heartache and distance with your children or your mom, we pray that God will give you comfort and wisdom of what to do. To those who have lost your mom, where she's passed away, we grieve with you. To those of you who have experienced abuse at the hands of your mother, we are absolutely sorry that you've had to experience that and your pain. To those of you moms that are solo parents with all the challenges And the stress is facing them alone. We are grateful for you for standing in. And to those of you that are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. For every woman that is in, and maybe something that I didn't talk to, we walk with you because mothering is not for the faint of heart, never has been. And we have real warriors with us in our midst. We, re- we remember and we're thankful. So as the Bible says, we honor you, we honor you, we honor you. We honor motherhood. And someone has said, American President Teddy Roosevelt said, there's nothing more important to our families and our nation than a healthy and strong mothers. When all is said, he, he said this, it's the mother who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mom, the mom who does her part in rearing and training The boys and girls who are to be the men and women of the next generation is of greater importance to the community and occupies, if she would only realize it, he says, a more honorable as well as a more important position than any man in it. The mother is the one supreme asset of the national life. She's more important by far than the most successful statesman, businessman, or artist, or scientist. 
And that just echoes what we said at the beginning, where the Bible says we are to honor moms and motherhoods. So that's why we take a Sunday where we can just pull off and celebrate moms and give away stuff and, and help people and, and honor moms and motherhoods because motherhood is important. Motherhood is worthy of honor. Motherhood is worthy of celebration. It's worthy of support. It's worthy of saying thank you for what you do. Thank you for who you are. And that's what the Bible says. So we have that and we share and, uh, that because it's not easy to be a mom. I've never been a mom. I have been raised by a mom and I live with someone, my wife, who is a mother, a great mother of our kids, one who I love dearly and is a great example for our kids. But not every moment of motherhood is filled with sunshine and lollipops and every day is just fantastic. I read to try and get a little bit of an understanding, uh, mom.me, where some moms shared their struggles. One lady by the name of Laura said, I think my biggest struggle is guilt. No matter how much I give to my child, I often feel like it's never enough, that like I could have done more, I could have done it better. Another lady by the name of Allison said, right now I'm struggling with finding time for my husband. I'm home with my girls all day and they get all my attention and energy. And when my husband comes home, I'm really happy to see him, but I just don't have any energy to show him my love or appreciation. Another lady said, my greatest struggle is comparison, specifically with motherhood. There's always someone I know or something I see on social media that tells me you didn't do good enough. Another lady by the name of Megan said, I'm feeling overwhelmed by life in general. I have so many things to do, and the only thing that ever gets done is battling my three-nager, not teenager, my three-nager, and trying to figure out how to calm my nine-month-old. Moms, we honor you. We thank you. We celebrate you. We honor you. Who you are matters, and what you do matters. In the beginning, we talked about a scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 5, and it's the Apostle Paul speaking to a young man by the name of Timothy, and he says some amazing things about this young man. Timothy, at this point in his life, uh, he grew into becoming a man where two letters of the Bible were written to him. He is a part or a co-author with approximately six others. He became a leading uh, bishop or leader in the church in uh, a part called Ephesus, a, a certain city. He was doing incredible but this is what Paul says. How did he become such a person of influence? How did he become this marked leader that people said, that's your man, Timothy? It was his mom. It was his mom. It was 2 Timothy 1 and 5 says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. He had a sincere faith, not a fake faith, not a hypocritical faith, a real faith. A faith that helped him to get through life with dignity. It helped him to have real answers. It didn't mean that every day he was perfect. It meant that there is a sincerity that he learned at the foot of his mother. His mother was responsible for the greatness that was in his life. His mother was responsible for calling out what nobody else saw, for standing with him when maybe nobody else would, for saying, I'm going to discipline you because there's some good gold in there that has to come out. And when I just let you go your own way, you're never going to be the potential that I see in you. The successful mom. But the key to her success, you know, was mom. In fact, we are told in Acts 16, 1-3, that his dad did not even 
have any or did not share the faith of Timothy or his mother or his grandmother. His mom, however, did not let that obstacle stop her. But I, I don't know if you've ever been in a home where one believes one and one believes the other. It's not always easy. I grew up in that kind, kind of a home. My mom was a follower of Jesus Christ who had fallen away. She got married. And then my dad, who's an incredible, incredibly good man, a man of honor, a man who works hard. But at that time, he wanted nothing to do with anything with faith. And my mom was trying to raise us in an environment where she wanted one thing and my dad wanted another. Didn't care, actually. And I remember going to Sunday school when I was a little kid across the street from our little town of Burton with 300 was the Burton Full Gospel Church. And, and I would go off to Sunday school and, and I had asked my dad very many times, hey, dad, are you coming to church today? He said, no, I, I, I'm going to stay home. I have, and he would say stuff like this, I have to take care of the cat. And I was like, okay, I didn't know that that was that important, but my dad says that taking care of the cat is important. Or he would say all kinds of silly stuff that my little five-year-old brain didn't compute except to say my dad had important things, and uh, there he was staying at home. And this is the kind of environment that Timothy was raised in, but his mother didn't let that obstacle stop her. His mother didn't say, well, I can't do it. I'm all by myself in this. There was something like so many moms right here that digs down deep and says, I see a future for my son or my daughter, and I'm going to pay a price because I see what nobody else sees. And I'm willing to work at. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to get up in the night. I'm willing to pick up after school. I'm going to willing to work hard to see that my kids can stand on their own two feet and be all that God created them to be. Like some of you, though, you have obstacles, like, just like her, obstacles maybe of your health, maybe obstacles of, of doing it alone without a husband in the picture. Maybe you have obstacles where you have been raised in an environment yourself where nobody taught you how to be a mom, and you're fighting to find your place. Let me tell you that who you are and what you do is worth it. Who you are and what you do as a mom is incredible. And I want to say to you to continue to stand in like this woman, Eunice, who stood when maybe nobody else was standing with her. And at times she would stand and, and pray into the night hour. And maybe when dad was off somewhere uh, wanting nothing to do with it, she was one who would stand in place. Like some of you, perhaps she minimized her role at times when she compared it to what society thought she should do. Someone said, you might be a mom. If instead of running from projectile vomiting, you run towards it. If you might be a mom if going to the grocery store by yourself counts as a short vacation. If you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. You might be a mom if you think of pain on three levels. There's regular pain, there's excruciating pain, and there's stepping on a Lego in the middle of the night pain. It's a whole nother level. You might be a mom if you ever said, what are you eating off the floor? And then you realize it's not a choking hazard and you say, as you were. <laughs> that would not happen to me. We honor you. What you do and who you are matters. Because here she, here she was, a woman who maybe had obstacles, but when Paul looked at her son, he saw a young man strong in faith. He saw a young man that was a leader. He saw a young man that had a bright future in his life. And he didn't say it was because he had all the, the money. He didn't say it because he went to the best schools. It didn't say because he had all the opportunity. It said, because of your mom, you're standing here. 
And some of us need to acknowledge that it's because of our mom that we're standing in anything right now. I would say that of my life. I'm standing here today because my mom was one who paid the price. My mom was one who would stand and would sacrifice and and give of herself and then give some more so that I could stand and and be what God called me to be. It's not because I'm the smartest one. It's not because she would be one who would also say to me, Craig, you can be better than what you are right now. You can be better. That's not who you're called to be. She was not afraid. She's still not afraid to say, Craig, come on, you can rise up a little higher. I, now, though, I just say, Mom, that's enough. Like, I'm okay. It's fine. My mother-in-law is wonderful. Well, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Moms, we honor you. My, mom, my mother-in-law is the best mother-in-law anybody could ever have, and I mean that. I love her dearly. Okay. I want to fill in that gap in case some of you have an experience with your mother-in-law. I do not have that kind of a mother-in-law. She takes my side in every quarrel with Shanda. She's amazing. (laughs) It's true. My wife is bitter, and it's all right. We're going to pray for her later. (laughs) I want to highlight two things, and then we'll be done, that we see out of the life of Eunice that might be a help to moms today. Number one, she didn't do life alone. You know who else was in the picture? Grandma. Now, let me say something about that. Grandma and other generation-wise involved, because life is challenging. Her motherhood is a whole other level of challenging. But she shows us, don't do life alone. Now, you might not have your mom, if your mom might not have your mom or grandma in the picture, because maybe she's passed away, maybe she lives somewhere far away, or maybe she was not a good mom and she's not safe to be around. All those. But let me tell you, that doesn't mean you're excluded. When we lived in Campbell River up on northern Vancouver Island, we were there. Our parents did not live close. They would have loved to have been there if they could. But there was two ladies in particular who were grandmothers to our kids. And to this day, they call them Grandma Teresa and Grandma Lily. And these two ladies were people who came alongside my wife, coached her, taught her how to cook, taught her how to do canning, taught her how to do all kinds of things that, that, that she really wanted to do, would encourage her, pray for her, pray over her, because I was not always the most sensitive of men, and would help our children. You know, even one time, I remember, we saw Lily, we were in, Grandma Lily, we were in uh, Canadian Tire, my wife knows this story, we were in Canadian Tire, and we were looking at the bikes, and I, something I did not know, like, do not ever let your child sit on a bike that they are not walking out of the store with. That's a bad deal. Our middle daughter got on this bike, and I was like, okay, that's kind of fun. And then I'm like, okay, let's go. I want the bike. We're not getting the bike. Ah! A great whale came over the land, and my wife began to scream. And then suddenly, Lily pokes her head around the corner of the, the aisle and sees Annika crying away with that. And she, she knew, knew enough, just leave it. And we took Annika out and she did not die from not getting the bike. But a, just a short time later, our phone rings and it's Lily. She says, do you mind if I go and buy that bike for uh, uh, Annika? Because I think she really wants it. I would love to be able to buy it for her. And, and we said, you certainly can. Because we didn't have enough money to buy it. It wasn't because I was a stingy person. We were uh, trying to concentrate on getting enough food to eat at that time in our life. And so Lily who this grandma in our life 
Because sometimes the grandma that's far away can't always be there. So get somebody in your life. And that's the principle I want to draw out. It's not just grandmas, but we need people in our life. Life is hard enough all, already without trying to do it by yourself. You don't have to fight every battle by yourself. You don't have to go through every difficult situation by yourself. You don't have to go through that medical issue by yourself. You don't have to go through that, that issue in your family by yourself. Get in groups. Get in and gather together with people who can walk with you who can love on you, who can encourage you, who can hold your hand up. And sometimes maybe you're going to be somebody that will encourage someone, that will lift them up, that will help them, that will be a life source for somebody else because life is better together. When we do life together, we actually have a better life together. And so often in our culture, we're all alone, we're isolated, we go to work, we come home, we go to work, we come home, and have very little meaningful connection with one another. And that's one of the powerful things of being part of the family of God. Moms, we honor you. Who you are, what you do matters. The second principle we see in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, Paul, speaking about Tim Timothy again, says, from infancy, you have known the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus or in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. From infancy, in other words, who was doing that? Mom. Mom was showing him this is the right way. Mom was showing him this is how to live life. Mom was also getting the wisdom that she needed to be a parent from that place. Because sometimes you want to give up. And I, uh, when you are doing something of value, when you are doing something that actually means something, which you are, there are some days when it's just hard. There are some days when it's just difficult, like we read about earlier. But she, uh, Eunice shows us this this uh, way of living life where the word of God was central to her life and the life of Jesus that helped her where she was. She started where she was. I'm sure she faced struggles when she was being puked on, disobeyed, and eye-rolled all in the same time. Maybe she wondered if it was really worth it. But maybe, I don't know, but maybe there were days when she wondered how Timothy was going to turn out. When there were ways when she, or days that she was discouraged by the struggle, struggling financially maybe, struggling in all kinds of issues. But she learned and positioned herself to be a person who not only loved the people of God, she loved the Word of God. Because the Word of God, the Bible says, is living and active. It's powerful. It helps you because it, it's not just a book it actually helps you encounter Jesus. And when you begin to, begin to understand what Jesus says to you in whatever battle you're in, listen what he says. He's the healer. He's the rewarder. Jesus speaks wisdom to know what's wrong. When anxiety begins to overwhelm you, his perfect love drives out fear. When you feel like giving up, his word says, come unto me all you who are weary. When you're lost and you don't know where to go, Jesus is the one who says, I will walk with you through every dark valley. The word of Jesus, when the world says what you do doesn't matter, his word says what you are doing is life. It's life giving. It's about the future. It's about a better world. It's about creating a better human. Come on. Moms, we honor you. What you do matters. Don't be weary in well-doing, the Bible says. 
For in some time you will reap if you don't give up. So today, maybe as we talk about moms and your value, may you find something within you that lands in your spirit that says, I am not giving up. I am not holding back. I am not stopping. I am not withdrawing. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to be the best mom I can be. I'm going to have grace for myself when I don't feel like I'm good enough. I'm going to be in relationships so that people can help me be what God's called me to be. And we honor you because who you are and what you do matters. You are created creating a new world every time that you teach your son or daughter, every time you discipline them when you feel like just forgetting about it and just turning on another channel, every time when you rise up a little higher and say, I'm going to confront this even though I don't have the strength to do it right now, you matter. You matter. I get worked up about some things because I'm passionate about seeing another generation come alive and coming to be all that God called them to be. And, I, and when women continue to get put down, marginalized, minimized because of who they are or what they're doing or they don't measure up, the Bible talks about women, we value you. Moms, we value you. You are placed on a high place. We, we value what you are and who you are. We honor you. Honor you. I'm going to close with this story. What you do matters. You're teaching boundaries. You're seeing things. Who you do is not second rate. Let me tell you about this one person, this one story. His name is Dr. Ben Carson. He's now uh, in the cabinet of the U.S. government right now. He was a, he's a famed physician in America. He also happens to be an African-American who, who grew up in the inner city of Detroit. He's noted for making groundbreaking uh, discoveries in the area of pediatrics that have helped hundreds and hundreds of kids all over the United States in pediatric surgery. But early on, he was perceived as not that bright. As a youngster in public school, he was not considered bright. His grades were low. He was growing up in the inner city where it was all kinds of uh, difficult situations. His mother was one of 24 children. And she got married at the age of 13, probably because there was no food left at home. I don't know. She got married at 13. After a few years, she discovered her husband was a bigamist with another complete family. By this time, she had two children and went on as a single mom. She worked as a house cleaner, double shifting because she did not want to be on welfare. Surprisingly, she was illiterate herself. But she possessed an abundance of two important ingredients, faith and love. She had the love to consistently place her boys before the throne of grace and pray harsh for them and pray for them. And the faith to believe that despite their environment, despite their report cards, they could be what they were created to be. They were not going to be created... They were not coming out of a crime-ridden neighborhood and be more criminals. They were going to come out and be leaders. She was determined. So she prayed, and she asked Jesus for wisdom, and she had this incredible idea. She said, we're going to shut off the TV a lot. This is actual. She said, they're going to get two to three shows a week. That's it. And these boys are going to have to write, go to the library, get out a book, and write two book reports for me every week. And at the end, she would mark them. They had no idea. She couldn't read. She would put little check marks on them, underline things, highlight them. They had no idea that mom couldn't read. But they say that more than anything else. A mom who prayed for them had faith in them and gave them some things to believe in themselves, that they are important, that they are worth investing in, became leaders out of a place that their environment says, their opportunity says, everything in their world says, you're not going to make it. But there she was. Oh, yes, 
We're going to die trying because this is who I am. I'm a mom, and I, that's what I do. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to challenge. I'm going to lead. I'm going to probably give a little bit back in the 60s, a little bit of this, you know, those kind of things. Because successful moms are not the ones who have never struggled. They are the ones who never give up despite the struggle. The struggle will be worth it one day. See, when she was in the middle of that, when Mrs. Carson, her name was, or did I get it right? Yeah, ben, Mrs. Carson was there. There were times when she didn't see. All she saw was a kid probably fighting to not read a book. But he, t he tells the story of it later. He said, as I got into it, he said, I loved, I couldn't wait to get home from school to read that book because I lived in this place that was so terrible that I could transport through reading into another world and believe and dream for something. Incredible, the power of faith and love and reading. We honor you, moms. What you do matters. Eunice was mentioned by name only once in the Bible. But once. We see her referred to in other places, but she was mentioned by name only once. Her son, Timothy, went on to be a bishop in a major church, co-wrote books of the Bible, but it all began with a mom. A mom who did not let her obstacles stop her. A mother who re refused to do life alone. A mom who, in the midst of conflict, still led with great courage with the power of Jesus. Moms, we need you. We honor you. Your work matters. Who you are matters. I know we don't tell you enough. I know that the flowers don't make up for all the hours of love that you have poured out. You are valuable. You are important. You are honored. We bless you. We love you. We thank you. Proverbs 31 and 28 says, Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. I'm going to put up Romans 15, 13, and I want to pray this over our moms, and then we'll be done. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to pray. And this is my prayer for you if, as, as moms. But you can, if you're not a mom today and you want to grab a hold of that, it talks about how to find perfect peace. It's trusting in Jesus, giving Jesus the leadership of your life. If you've never given Jesus the leadership of your life, whether you're a mom or you're not a mom, whether you're a man or woman, now may the God of hope, may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Can I invite everyone to stand? And I'm going to pray over mom. I'm just going to pray that over. If you're a mom today, a spirit, and I, I am clearly including... All the moms that were listed at the very beginning. You might be a spiritual mom. You might be a mentoring mom. You might be uh, a mom who has kids. You might, all the situations we talked about at the beginning. Can I invite you just to allow this as I pray it over you to sink into your spirit, to sink into, and allow this to be your prayer. Can I just invite everybody to bow their head and close their eyes and then we're going to be done. Lord Jesus, I pray for the moms in this room, Lord Jesus, some who are struggling through things, some who are in places of great joy, some who are in places of loss, in all the situations, in every place. Lord, I pray, may the God of hope fill each one. Just receive it this morning. Say, Jesus, I received your mom with all joy and peace, a supernatural thing, as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope that people will see it. Lord, we thank you for our moms, Lord Jesus. We thank you for motherhood, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for 
people in this room, Lord, that are have nothing to do with being a mom, Lord, but recognize their need for Jesus. And if you, in this moment, you say, Craig, I, I want the kind of life that overflows with hope. I want the kind of life where God's power comes in and radiates and helps me to be who I'm called to be. It's as simple as saying, inviting Jesus to be the forgiver and leader of your life. Jesus, I invite you to be the leader of my life. Forgive me. I welcome you to lead my life. Simple as that. I invite you to be the forgiver and leader of my life. Simple as that. Now may the God, the God, the inspiration and fountain of hope fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. We're going to close out with a song, but as, as they begin to play, I invite you to go to the block. We're going to invite all the ladies, if you're a mentoring mom, a spiritual mom, a biological mom, you're going to go first because there's some treats out there for you. Just a moment. There's some treats out there for you. And then for everybody else, there's some sparkling pink lemonade. There's a place where you can get a photo. Uh, take a photo with your mom or with your mother-in-law, whoever it is. God bless you as you go.